If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, welcome to another session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. My name is Rock Thomas. I'm your host. And if you've been following me long enough, you know that I am the founder of M1, the mastermind group. This is a group of individuals that share common values in wanting to become successful, healthy, wealthy, and have rich relationships. But what does it mean to you? Well, it means there's a group of 400 people out there that maybe are achieving or have achieved the result that you crave. They're from all over the world, from all walks of life, but what they share is the practices of success and each and every day sharing their insights and their breakthroughs with each other, encouraging others to do the same thing. You see, you don't have to do it alone. I'm really proud of their success stories and I would love for yours to be the next one. If you are serious about getting out of your own way and creating a life you're excited about, then get on a call with one of my team members at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and get started today. Hey, I'm super stoked to be speaking to David Hauser. He's a serial entrepreneur, a speaker, an inspiring author, who's best known as the co-founder and CEO of Grasshopper. It's a virtual telephone service that was acquired by Citrix for $176 million. Shut the front door. And yet today he shifted his focus to the world of health and fitness. And he's going to share his own personal journey of transformation in his book, Unstoppable, The Four Steps to Transforming Your Life. Welcome to the call, David. I am extremely curious to have this conversation with you. Thanks for having me. So there's a bunch of things we were talking about before we came on live, and I think that people are going to really, really appreciate um, probably two major areas. The shift that you have in careers, the shift that you have in relationships, the shift you have in your physical body are things that sometimes people never really uh, get to experience at the level they want to. But before we do that, let's give people a brief history where you came from, what your experience is career-wise, and we'll dive into it. Fair enough? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So for the longest time, people knew me as the guy who built Grasshopper, and we'll talk about that. Um, Grasshopper was a virtual phone system, or still is. Um, I'm just no longer involved. A virtual phone system for entrepreneurs. So press one for sales, two for support, on hold music transferring, all that just totally virtual, right? So you didn't have to have a voice over IP phone in your office. You could use your cell phone or a landline, whatever. Um, we had hundreds of thousands of customers and built the business from zero to $30 million a year in revenue with no outside funding, um, and then ultimately sold it. So, um, I guess that, you know, what you would define as a great success and it was, um, but along the way learned a lot and had the opportunity to build a few other businesses, um, as well as invest in about a hundred other companies. So learned from all of those other founders. Um, now. I've transitioned a little bit and uh, actually wrote a book about health and wellness. So totally separate from my career, quote unquote. Um, but, it, but it's been a transformation in my life and also working with a new company that's kind of in a similar space called Superfat, um, which is a, a high fat nut butter snack product um, that we're super happy with. Very cool. So would you say that you went from something that made you a shit ton of money to something that's more fulfilling? 
Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I hope, right? So, you know, I, Grasshopper definitely made a lot of money, right? Um, both on a scale perspective and as also when we sold it. Uh, and one of the Are things- you financially really, free now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm very lucky in that way. And it's a whole different set of stresses. And I've talked to other people about this a bunch of times, right? Like, you know, you always think like when you get to that point, like everything changes. First, very few things actually change, yeah. um, except additional stresses that you no longer had, that you didn't have before, right? Um, and so I think like there's- Everybody a, wanting to get you to invest in their next great <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that I think always happens. It's just other things, right? Like you start thinking about like, what does wealth mean, you know, a generation later, right? Yeah. And how do I plan for things when I die that yeah. I get no benefit from? But right. maybe my family does because I don't pay taxes on a portion of the, like all these things, right? Yeah. Um, it's a it. different set of problems, right? Yeah. People think that, you know, the cliche, you know, when you get a million dollars, all your problems are going to be solved. And first of all, when you get a million dollars, you still, you're not free, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good start. But I agree with you. All those other things, trusts and wills and, and, and corporations and tax uh, strategies and things like that. And now you've got bigger decisions and, and, and there's bigger, bigger implications. So I'm glad you referenced that because a lot of times people, uh, they think that the grass is greener on the other side where there's a lot of money, but the, 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 the challenges are just different, right? Yeah, it's a different set of problems. And like all the data I've looked at and studies about happiness, right? And especially in happiness as it relates to money, there's over a certain amount, it no longer matters. And and like you said, it actually causes more problems, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's what, what, we, what everyone strives for is the not wanting to worry, right? Like not living paycheck to paycheck, wanting to know that like, if I make a mistake or I take a risk or I try something that I have a long enough time horizon that it's okay. Yeah. Right. That's what we want is that yeah. safety. Um, and beyond that, it doesn't add anything else. No, but here's what I have learned is that you kind of like when you get to a certain level, like let's say um, a baseball player makes it to the major leagues and he struggles and he's sent down to the minors they have to deal with humiliation. They have to deal with embarrassment. They have to deal with loss of identity. I'm not this pro anymore. I'm on the bus. I'm not on the jet. And that fear of that loss creates stress and can, can, can affect performance. So the, no matter where you are, people are like, oh, you made it to the majors. No, I'm afraid I'm going to now not stay there. And I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm going to sign a contract. We're going to sign a contract for two years when my buddy signed one for four years and I'm stupid. And all those things come into play, which are completely different. And by the way, we're not trained for. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think like someone said this to me the other day, you know, we fear losing what we have just as much as we fear not getting what we want. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're both very powerful motivators that are negative. How did you, how did you, what was that experience like for you and selling your shares of the company when that was a, you know, if it's, if it's creating 30 million, you, you got a multiple of that. That's a lot of dollars. How did you navigate that having never done that before? Yeah, I really looked to people that had done it. Um, I went to my network and said, like, tell me the, the positives and negatives. Tell me what I need to look out for. And I heard two major things throughout those calls. One was this warning of, like, your identity will be lost in this process because you've been tied up in this for 12 years, right? Um, and it's just part of who you are. Um, two, don't rush into anything. Right. Because your natural reaction as an entrepreneur is like, OK, I'm going to go start something new. I'm going to do something different, whatever. Like, do I like, just slow down and don't do that? 
So I took a year um, and it was very difficult. Like I immediately wanted to do things, right? And in the back of my, my mind, I kept thinking like, slow down. So I tried a bunch of small things, right? Without mm -hmm. long-term commitments. So maybe I, so at one point I helped a VC in, you know, the Bay Area to see, do I like that side of the business and investing and helping small growing companies? I discovered I actually like helping companies scale. So different things. So like, I'm glad I didn't rush into that. Uh, and a lot of examples are like that along the way. Yeah, very cool. So then you ended up going into this kind of this health kick. Did you get a scare? Was there something that happened? Because usually pain leads to passion. So I'm just curious. Yeah, so I go through these extremes, right? So, um, you know, someone says to me, like, you, you can run a marathon, and I've never run in my life. And I trained to do the Boston Marathon and run Boston, right? Um, I raised money for it because clearly I couldn't qualify as someone who doesn't run. Um, but I think all of these extremes have been very much in that, those cycles. Um, so I was in an extreme cycle of exercise because I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to look good. I wanted to feel good. So I went from doing Boston Marathon to training for triathlons to doing Ironmans, right? Um, so I went from doing typical exercise, an hour at the gym, to, you know, five, six-hour bike rides. Um, and just all in. Um, I was damaging my body a lot. And then this kind of grasshopper sale started to happen. And I stepped back and I had a little more time. And I said, you know, maybe I should try something different. And it actually started with yoga. Um, I just went to a class, like randomly. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, it, it, it lit a passion and helped me connect with my mind and my body in a much different way. And that was where it all started, I think. But what was the catalyst? Were you overweight? Did you get a doctor's report? What happened and how long ago was that? Yeah, so I've always been overweight um, as far back as I can remember. Um, and it was actually a really difficult experience writing this book because like I had to go back to look at like thinking about like high school and before and it was times that I didn't want to admit that I was overweight, right? Um, but like as far back as I can remember, uh, I struggled with that. Um, so in high school, I was 220 plus pounds. How tall um, are you? Six feet. Um, okay. And I, I started to gain weight in, in college as well. So I probably got up to 240 at one point. Um, I just didn't look good. Like going back and looking at pictures is scary. Um, and I, I decided I wanted to lose weight a long time ago and just struggled with it. Like tried everything. I did the slim fast shakes, I did exercise, I cut out red meat, I ate lots of vegetables and you know a high carb, low fat diet as everyone said to do, and I could never get below 210. Did extreme exercise, got to like 205, right? Um, which is that's like, I'm like five pounds, I put in so much effort, like what's going on, right? Um, but when I did, so I've now lost more than 40 pounds. Um, so uh, I got down to about 177, 178 or so. Um, and now started to build muscle back up. So I'm like at one, 189, 190 right now. Um, and I feel great at that amount. But that was over a, I mean, we're talking 10 plus years through that whole span. So what got you below the 200? Uh, two things. One, um, cutting out all of the extreme exercise. Um, so I went from doing crazy amounts of stuff to more moderate amounts of things, uh, practicing yoga six days a week, a very active type. So, you know, this is vinyasa flow in a heated room, uh, and then changing my diet. Um, I, I cut out all carbohydrates initially, uh, including vegetables and then added vegetables back in over time. So, you know, a typical 
well-formulated ketogenic diet, which I think a lot of people don't understand, well-formulated ketogenic diets actually include vegetables once you're in ketosis and things like that. People think of it as just eating lots of meat. That's not what it is at all, actually. Um, so you're not, you're not vegan or anything? So I, I, so it's like, just like anything else, I tried it, right? I, I, yeah. I, did, I did vegan for six months um, and I lost a little bit of weight, but my biggest challenge was I always felt hungry. And just with weight, the thing I always struggled with was always feeling hungry and feeling like I had to pro deprive myself to lose weight. Right. And so being vegan, like, yeah, like I lost a little bit of weight, but like I could eat massive amounts of quinoa salad and, you know, vegan cookies that are just pure sugar, right? Um, and things that were not healthy for me, but were easy because they were vegan, right? Um, so I didn't feel good. Uh, and that changed when I started eating more fat, right? Like I, I fast every day now. And if I travel, I just don't eat. Like just because I'm busy doing something and there's no reason to eat. So just yeah. don't eat. Yeah. And when you, when you eat a balanced diet, uh, your, your hunger pangs are virtually non-existent. Yeah. A little bit of water, a little bit of juice here or there, uh, fresh juice. Um, I get it. I'm, I'm, I guess, pescatarian, you'd call it. Yep. A little bit, of, little bit of fish, mostly vegan, and um, I've actually gained some weight. Yeah, I mean, so, like what I always people tell me, like, what diet should I be on? And I'm like, first of all, I don't know. Like, let's have a conversation about Whatever what your goals you. are. Yeah, like, you need to find what works for you. Like, you should be able to not feel hungry. Should should feel satiated at meals. Not walk around feeling bloated and full of, full of gas because that's a right. sign that what you're eating is not right. Um, all of those things and then find what works for you and do yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. So now you've, you've sold this company, help people scale companies. Give me a description of your identity. Who is Dave David? Yeah, this, this was a big change for me actually. So like I said before, I was the grasshopper guy for years. Um, I had to shift my identity to um, understanding that I'm an entrepreneur and I build things, not just grasshopper. Um, also being a father now, like that was a change. I didn't have kids when I was uh, building Grasshopper. Um, so a lot more of my time is and thought is put into like, how do I build great kids or help them succeed, right? Um, and set them up for success. And then that factors into wealth too, right? Like I don't want them to have the money I have outside of health and security, right? Um, so like there, there's all of these additional things that go into being a father now, right? So as a successful entrepreneur, a lot of people, you know, they, they, I think they work their life in stages. It's a lot of if then, right? If I make a million dollars, then I'll be free. Uh, if I get married, then I won't have to be alone. When I have kids, then I'll finally be fulfilled. So talk to me a little bit about some of those stages. So you were coming up as an entrepreneur, then you kind of got this massive success with Grasshopper. Um, you worked a hundred hours a week. You beat the shit out of your body, treated yourself like shit, no self care. And then you start to realize that probably wasn't working. Uh, then what happened? You, you, you sold it and you, so talk us a little bit through that. Cause I think you've had some, some waves in your, in your, your life. How old are you now? So I'm 37 now. Um, I, I have to think about it for a second cause I don't, yeah. I don't really think about age that much. Right. Uh, and people ask me, I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, let me think for a second. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of ways. I think the first one of that actually came way earlier than selling, which was like, I was on this path where I felt like I had, I lived in the city. I had to move out to the suburbs and buy a big house. Like 
to me, that was the first realization that I'm on that path of like, I feel like I need to do this because it's the thing to do. Right. Keep up um, with the Joneses. Yeah. Yeah. And I quickly realized I wasn't happy, right? Like I loved being in the city. I grew up in the city. I didn't want to be in the suburbs, even though it was closer to the office, right? Um, so I've start, I started to think to myself, like, how do I make less of those mistakes, right? Um, and I think the right filter for that is like this idea of like, hell yes, like in the mornings, like do I wake up ready to go in the mornings with an absolute yes? And like, I want to make more and more decisions like that. Um, so more recently, an example, we decided to move to Austin, me and our whole family, right? Um, however, right now I'm back in Las Vegas, right? So we, we decided at a moment's notice, like, we're going to try it. We want to do something new. It's healthy for new things to happen and change. Let's do it. Six months in, we decided this is not the right place for us and our family. So we made the move just as quickly back right? Rather than sticking it out and saying, well, it's the right thing to do. It's a better community. You know, all of these things that people tell you and you should feel. We did yeah. what we felt was best, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. I think one of the things that, you know, we help people with is getting really, really clear on what's important to them. Because most people actually don't spend a lot of time really crystallizing the vision for their life. They kind of end up falling into something. It works. They build a business. They're excited. It pays the bills. And all of a sudden, oops, they get pregnant. Da, 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 da. They got to buy a house. They got a bills. They're, they're, they're on the treadmill and they're caught. So now that you're at this stage where you have actually something that most people want, which is a level of choice based on your financial success. So with that, Tell us about some of the choices you've made. You chose to go into what we call your health and vitality garden and improve that. You've got some rituals around that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. I, that was a personal choice, like internal, yeah. right? Like mm -hmm. something for me. But what I've started to think about much more now is like externally, like how am I perceived and how can I help others, right? Like what is my legacy from a long-term perspective? Mm -hmm. And what I really want, and, I, and I've only recently realized this, is to one, be able to give back to others, Right. So, and that doesn't mean like charity. Like we can all say like, I donate to charity. Like I want to empower others with the things I've done and learned. Right. Um, and then two, like, I want our nation and our world to be healthier um, because it is really disappointing to go around and see what's happening. Right. Like I struggled with my weight and there are people that struggled far more than I have and it's not their fault. Right. Like they're set up in a system that is stacked against them. Right. And if my, if I can help contribute to fixing that over the long term, like that's what I want to be. Yeah. Would you agree that the, the, the food business, they're basically the biggest drug dealers out there? For sure. And they know how to do this. They know how to make highly addictive foods that have no concept of health or longevity just on, will sell a lot and make you buy more of it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's these really nice, nice grocery stores you can go to that import beautiful foods from Europe. And they're, you know, they're the type of food that you, you maybe have to come from those parts of the world to know about them. Or you can go to the basic big grocery store and not go around the perimeter, go down the other aisles and you're eating shit and junk and box stuff. The argument goes that the person that's running the store wants to make a profit. Does he want to carry prunes from Poland that might go bad in two days? Or does he want a box of Twinkies where the profit is four times 
what the prunes are, and we know the answer to that question, and therefore they're not concerned about the well-being of their customer. They're concerned about the profit margins, and it goes all the way up to the big Fortune 500 companies, right? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I less blame the grocery store because, like, you know, they, they're in the business of distrib- distributing products, right? Yeah. Um, but now that I've been in the food business for good or for bad, um, I, I see how that distribution network works, and it starts at the top. It doesn't start at the grocery store. They have some control, right? Um, but like the Twinkie example is perfect, right? Like not only does it last forever and the profit margins are high, but it's highly addictive, right? Right. So that means that I'll keep coming back and buying that highly addictive junk rather than the apple, which doesn't have the same addictive tendencies, right? right. Um, and the large food manufacturers know this and they use that against us. Um, and agreed 100%, we live in a society of convenience because we're all so busy looking at the social media, et cetera, that we're like, okay, go and you know, eat an apple uh, and, and be on the phone and in the car. It's not practical. I could jam a Twinkies in there. Nobody will hear me chewing. It's, it, there's so many reasons why convenience-wise it's easier to eat crap than it is to eat a salad. I eat a lot of salads. It takes time to make it, and it yep. takes time to eat it. Yeah, which is part of why it's good, right? Like it slows you down. It should take you time to eat. I know. Like like all of those things, you know, but being a father now, like I now I have three kids. It is very interesting to see what the food companies do to our children earlier and earlier to addict them to these items, right? Like if you go back and look at even baby formula today, baby formula is made up of 50% sugar. Right. Right. Which is higher than breast milk. Um, it is a cheap ingredient to put in. Um, and somehow they get this approved as the thing to feed our kids. Right. But we're starting our kids at the earliest age on a formula of 50% sugar. That means that as soon as they start consuming foods, they want that again. Yeah. Right? yeah and then we reinforce it in school. Right. Schools just reinforce it again. Yeah, you know, you say that I had I hired a, a nanny and she would take the carrots and potatoes and boil them and mash them. And we would feed natural to our kids for that reason. So I appreciate that you have some awareness around that. So you have an incredibly likable personality and you and I have just met on this call. But I can tell by the tonality of your voice and the way we're having a conversation that one of your superpowers, I would call it is that people feel incredibly comfortable with you. How has that affected your success? Yeah, so it's interesting. Like these types of conversations I'm really good at, um, but I'm actually naturally an introvert, right? So I, I prefer to not be in a public setting and not be in like a conversation like this. So if you see me on a regular basis, like in going to yoga, like I'm much more to myself, right? Um, I've learned how to project and change and do those things. Um, but it's not my natural tendency. Um, but it has been very much part of my success. Right. And I, I learned that early on that as an entrepreneur, you have to be externally selling, you have to be, um, engaging with people. Um, and so part of that was learning how to have conversations, how to listen, how to make eye contact, how to engage with someone else because I'm not naturally that person. So it took learning. So there's a lot of people that think, you know, oh, well, easy for him. And maybe you could have been at one point in time classified. I don't know. I'll take this the wrong way, but like an engineer geek that created a system. And if you're introverted, you know, you hide in a way Elon Musk-ish in the background, then all of a sudden, boom, create this product. And 
and, and now it's kind of cool to be a bit of a engineer geek uh, these <laughs> days, right? They're taking over. But how did you get conscious of the fact that you needed to work on the skill of being a little bit more relatable with people? Yeah, so it became really apparent when I joined an organization called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, um, and I, I started to move myself into a leadership position, and clearly I had to do that. So going to an event where we brought in 100, 150 people, like I had to engage with people. So it was like a forced kind of exercise. And as part of that, I first got comfortable with it and then learned more because like being in the room, people expected that to happen. I was the president of the Boston chapter. So like it was just an expectation within my company. I could hide, right? Like I could have someone else do the thing and stand up. I could right. do, I, I could kind of back off when I wanted when it wasn't my company. I didn't have that option. So what do you think if you were to recall, and I'm putting you on the spot, what are some of the ways that you looked at yourself? I'm an introvert and then shifted to, I'm a leader to, I'm an influencer to, I, I need to be somebody that communicates effectively how did you go from I am this, acquire the tool to now I am that? Because that is really what personal growth is about, is saying, hey, you know what, where, where can I go? I am somebody, let's say, that has a million dollars in my bank account, but I only have an Interact card that allows me to access $1,000. What's the point? We all have, you know, the proverbial potential, but how do you lean into it consciously and how did you make that conscious shift? Yeah, for me, it was always just about doing something towards that goal, right? So one little Progress. step again and again and again. So lots of little steps adding up over time, but it, I just had to do something towards it, right? So if mm -hmm. the first event, it was engaging with one person, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, then I started to say, okay, well that wasn't that bad, right? Like I engaged with them. We had a conversation and it added some value to both of our lives. Like that was good. Right. Let me do that with two people. Right. And then kind of building and building and building over time. Um, I, I always look at everything as just doing something towards progress each time. I love it. Progress is a beautiful word. So you talk about giving back and not just writing a check, but empowering people and, um, when you get to a point of success, how much more fulfilling is it for you to help other people versus you having your own success? Yeah, so I, I've realized that it's probably the most fulfilling thing to help other people. Um, when I was younger and building a business, like the, the goal is all personal, right? Like how can I be the best? How can I get the most money? How can I, 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 I right? Um, now I think that's changed a lot. Um, and I still strive for personal success, but for me, personal success means optimization over time. Like how can I be a little bit better tomorrow than I am today? Um, that's how I measure my success to now. Uh, but giving back to others, to me, the word empowering is so important, right? Because that's the difference between giving something to someone and giving them the tools that they actually need, right? And that to me, I think is the most fulfilling thing. And if I can do that in life, uh, that's where I get most happiness from. Have there been some books that have uh, contributed to your success that you're like, wow, that one really was, was fundamental for me? Yeah. So I break it into two categories, right? So like when I was building a business, things like good to great and some of the Jim Collins work, like very much shaped my beliefs around core values and core purpose, which I think has led to my path today, right? Um, it happened, it started in business, like understanding what the core values mean. And then I've developed them for myself personally and things like that. So books like that, I think had a tremendous impact. 
I spent a lot of time reading things like that when I was building a business. I then shifted and started to step back and say, like, how do I learn about the place I am in, the world I'm in, I am in? Right. And not from a history perspective, but like at a higher level, like what does it mean to be here and things like that. So I really loved um, Sapiens. Um, it, it's a great, you know, like even I don't agree with all the pieces in Sapiens. Right. But it's a very mind opening book for a lot of people. For me, it was um, The Evolution of Everything by Matt Ridley. Um, again, uh, I think this reminds me a lot of um, Enlightenment Now, which is a book I read recently, which just really says, like, we hear all the negatives, but if we really look back, we are in a very positive, amazing time, um, and things evolve over time, and we thought that acid rain was going to kill the planet. It didn't, right? Like, all of these examples again and again and again, and where we are today is great and amazing, and we lose that. Um, so I think those have been more recent books that have changed my perspective in a lot of ways. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Inside Out, Disney movie? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Right. It's, it's such a great, great story of how nothing really is anything until we give control to the voice inside of fear or doubt or worry or shame, embarrassment, or of joy, of gratitude. And unfortunately, they don't teach in schools to that emotions are like, muscles in your body, they need to be worked out. And if you don't have a, a gratitude exercise or practice, it's not going to just show up on its own because the voices of fear, doubt, and worry are always ready to take the cockpit over and shame us into not being enough. Yeah. So, that, that, that movie is a great example of the hit, the hidden things within movies that are so powerful, right? Like if you said that to someone, people are like, I'm not going to go see that movie. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it's built inside of a beautiful story that is right. fun and interesting and engaging. Right. Yeah. And it's, but it, that underlying piece is still there and it's very clear. It's, it's the same thing as if, if you were to do a seminar, you have your book and you sell it for 20 or 30 bucks or whatever. And it was to change somebody's life when it came to their health. And you said, Hey, you know, you want to go out tonight uh, for dinner, have a nice steak, a bottle of wine, and have a good time, or let's go to this seminar that David's doing and talk about health, and it's free, right? <laughs> you know what choice most people will make because yeah. they're so driven for pleasure yeah. until they have so much pain that they have to make a choice that's demanded of them. So it's just an interesting psychology. How do we get people to want to be greater and overcome those voices? How do people get in touch with you and learn more from you? You've done a great job in your business world. I don't know how you've done in your relationship, but you're married and you got three kids, so you must be doing pretty good. And, uh, and you've done what most people want to do, which is get yourself under 200 pounds, get yourself to a place where you're lean and mean, very sexy. For those of you that can't see him, he's, uh, he's a sexy, charismatic guy. And now from what you said at the beginning is you're, you're, you're in the process of maybe even building up a bit of muscle as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the easiest place is unstoppablebook.com. Um, you can sign up. I send out a weekly newsletter that talks about, you know, just kind of the things I'm reading and doing um, three to five things. Um, that, so that's been useful for some people. Uh, and then obviously the book is coming out in September. Uh, my email address is on the website. So I, I do feel free to like, I, I respond to every email. Um, I'm pretty careful about that. Um, because so many people along the way helped me in that way, right? Like I sent random questions to people. I asked for favors, you know, I asked for advice and learning. Um, so I try to do that as much as possible. Uh, and 
although I am on social media, uh, I just don't use it a lot. I deleted it from my phone almost three years ago now. Like, um, I'm, I'm on it. It's just not a great way to get me. (laughs) You know, the irony is that I think social media, what a beautiful tool has become the necessary evil for a lot of people because it's become complicated. They change the algorithms and they keep on forcing us into their ecosystem where now, even if you watch, I have a goal cast video that came out that was watched by a hundred million people it went viral and the people that created it kept the rights to it. And when it comes out now, I watch my own video on, on YouTube. I have to watch commercials <laughs> and they've, they've made probably in excess of, of six figures on the commercials of that video. God bless them. They helped me create it. Good for them. I don't begrudge that. But that's the world we live in today where you have to now watch commercials in order to get to valuable content. It's no longer free. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah, for sure. And I think they, we, a lot of our attention has been stolen away by these platforms because yeah. they've created such bite-sized things that yes. we just consume it again and again and again. And you know, for me, the reason I deleted it from my phone is like I felt like any free moment, the thing we all do is scroll and look, yes. right? Yes. And what we really need more of is free moments in our life to think, right? Yes. Like what I, what I want to create more of is those shower moments, like where I'm distracted and not doing something, right? And I think, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, I can fix this, right? And if all of my free moments are taken up by scrolling, all that's gone. My showers have become 15 minutes long, I think, for that reason, because I have that sanctuary with myself. I practice my talks. I meditate. I, I ruminate. I imagine. I dream. And I'm like, you know, this is really great. And occasionally it happens on a plane as well if I'm not, you know, distracted. But I really, really get what you mean. Hey, listen, really great chatting with you. Um, Final words of wisdom for people that are either entrepreneurs or looking to make a shift with their diet because you seem to have hit the ball, hit the home run in in both of those arenas. Yeah, I think it's really just making small bits of progress again and again and again. The tiny things add up over time um, and just making one step forward is, is all that has to happen. That's amazing. David, thank you so much for sharing with the community. Let me remind the I am community that the words that follow I am follow you. So describe yourself with intention and purpose. Make the words very strong because words create your world. So you want to come up with ones that move you emotionally, like I'm gifted, guided, grateful, powerful, passionate, playful, or something that resonates with you and lights you up. And I guess for you, David, now that you are uh, no longer overweight, how would you describe yourself physically? Yeah, so this is a difficult one. I hope to describe myself more clearly in the future, you know, as as a fit, healthy person. Um, But I still struggle with that on a daily basis. And, you know, small change. I'm like, I don't love this. I don't. It's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same, I think, for all of us as we go through those shifts. So what we say to people is just start romancing yourself with that, that new identity. And, and then eventually, you know, you get comfortable with it. It's like anything else that you start. Initially, it's weird. And then it takes form. And before you know it, you're like, oh, yeah, this sweater, this is 17 times I wore it. I really love it. And it is part of you. It's not the brand new one. Yeah. So kudos to you. Thanks, David, for joining us. I appreciate it. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. 
Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.